Hey everyone, welcome back for season three of the Age Sister podcast. This season, we're going to keep exploring the issues around midlife and older women at work. So let's get started with today's guest. Hey everyone, I had such a great conversation with my guest today, Tammy Alvarez. Tammy and I talked about this phenomenon of women leaders and C-suite executives leaving work in record numbers. We talked about some of the biggest sources of unhappiness at work for women in midlife and beyond, and some of the things that hold women back as they get older. Tammy gave us all sorts of actionable tips around re-engaging with our work, and she even told me some tips for how we can love Mondays again. So enjoy. So welcome, Tammy. Thanks, Kate. Great to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, I'm going to start as I always do by asking you about what brought you to doing the work that you're doing today. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Uh, It's an exciting one, so I can't wait to fill you in. Um, Lots of drama and intrigue. I spent most of my career on Wall Street. And the last 15 years, I was a C-level executive. And I did all the things to get there. Finally managing director, big paycheck, you know, fancy apartment in New York. I had all the things. And then I got there and I was miserable. And I was like, I worked so hard to get here. And when I, I was just, I couldn't take it another minute. And so I decided to make a massive shift and the timing was just right for me. My daughter was off the payroll because she was graduating college. Like it was just really all the, the things in my life lined up. So I decided to cash out of Wall Street, move to a tropical island in Central America and start a coaching business about four years ago. And you know, everybody thought I was out of my mind. They, they may have been right in, in some ways, but really what brought me to do this now is I've seen throughout my, you know, 30 year career in corporate, I've seen so many people that are just talented and capable that are on the sidelines that, you know, become disenfranchised in a career that they used to love that no longer serves them. And so that's now my passion is to work with mid to senior level leaders to really show them that you're not stuck and you don't have to become a barista, sell everything and live in a yurt to have the life that you want and that you don't have to settle for a job that does that doesn't love you back. So that's really the Reader's Digest version of, of how I got here. I love it. I love the idea of moving to a tropical, a tropical place and sort of restarting. That's amazing. It's amazing. We do one tank scuba dives before work. Like it's a, it's a great lifestyle, right? So yeah. Wow. Cue the jealousy around the world from all the, all the listeners (laughs) for sure. Mm. So I'm really interested in this idea of working with women in the C-suite, women in leadership positions and you know there's been a lot of media in the last few weeks about the number of women in those positions that are leaving their jobs. So yeah. we already know that you know the, the latest numbers are around 50% of women plan to leave their current role in the next two years, but it's even higher for those women in leadership positions. Tell me about that. Do you have any insights around why that's happening? Um, I sure do. And I'm the front lines with that. I do a lot of women in leadership coaching and work with a lot of female executives. And it's not new news that I think women were impacted significantly more during COVID in terms of employment because everything fell on them. Right. The homeschooling, the this, the that, you know, all the things that that we have to do all of a sudden they were they were the corporate casualties is, is what we call them. And I think what's happening at that C level is 
these women are in a position now where they're caring for, you know, their children who are possibly, you know, probably at that point where they're getting ready for college, aging parents. And, you know, so those have always been competing priorities in terms of how do you have that balance. But then when you layer on um, how people's definition of success have changed because of COVID and chasing that ladder, like I was talking about in my story, is all of a sudden not the end. And it's just like people have re- are starting to take a very serious look again and say, what's important to me? And I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. I've done all the things I've wanted to do. And now it's time to define success differently. And a lot of women are just saying, this is not what I'm going to do anymore. I'm going to use my time and talents. They're not sitting on the sidelines, but they're not playing, you know, the corporate game anymore. And that's going to create a really interesting opportunity. I see a lot of new entrepreneurial ideas coming out. I see a lot of women moving into smaller businesses to help them grow. Um, you know, so there is a, a very significant exit in terms of C-suite women, but they're not leaving. They're just going into new places that are going to be serving them in a much better way where they can make an impact and not feel like they have to be a sellout and let everything else struggle because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think about the women that I work with, women in midlife and beyond, and really the goal is to help them stay in the workplace if they can, if they want to stay in the workplace uh, by supporting them through, you know, better well-being programs and just looking at the way that women are treated in that age group. So if you think about women in midlife and women who are a bit older than that, Can you think of um, any tips or anything that you could tell us about if you don't want to leave your job, if you want to stay in your position, but you're just unsatisfied with what's going on right now? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because the first tip I would say is challenge why you want to stay. And make sure that the the reasons that you want to stay are the ones that still get you fired up in the morning. Um, you know, cause sometimes we stay because we feel like we can't make that kind of money someplace else or because it's just, you know, I'm too old. It's too late. Um, you know, so we stay for these reasons that, that don't serve us and that, that really actually hurt your career. So step one, let's make sure you're there for the right reasons. And if that's all, yes, I just need to find a way to, you know, to be more fulfilled. Um, I always encourage my clients to focus on impact. Where are you able to make the biggest impact? And it may not be in the share price. It may not be in new products that go to market. You know, I mean, there's a million different ways, especially with that executive level, that you can really look and say, if I wanted to leave a legacy here, if I wanted to really do something that I thoroughly enjoy, realizing that most of the work that we're doing is not the work we love, right? But finding those pieces that are, that leave that big impact, that's how people pivot and kind of fall back in love with their role again. And especially at the C-level and senior leadership, you can pretty much design a role to be what you want it to be. And, you know, I, I know when I was, you know, moving into a new role or whatever, I never cared what the job description said because I was going to make it my own anyway. And I just needed to make sure I was working in an organization with a culture that gave me those guardrails that were wide enough to where I could flex to where I saw the needs, to where I saw the opportunity um, and where my team really could could thrive. And so I think if you want to stay in that role, then just make sure that you are focused on the impact that you make and really select one or two areas that you're super passionate about and just double down on that. 
And if you think about some of the things that are going on beyond just the role at work, I know that there are also employers that listen to this podcast. What are some of the sources of unhappiness for women at work beyond just their role, you know, things that might be going on structurally in the workplace? You know, I, and I'm not sure if this is unique to women. I just think women are more open to talking about it in the fact that the biggest frustration is that they're not feeling heard. It's like you, or, you know, and so, or understood is probably the better way to put it. It's like, you hear me, but no one's taking action. And so the pushback, the inertia, um, you know, that we've always done it this way. So let's keep it this way. I think those are some of the things that really do stunt the best leadership minds, whether they're male or female. I just think that, you know, women tend to slow down when those things happen. Right. And a lot of men push harder when that happens. It's like, oh, well, if you're not going to do it my way now, you're going to do it my way later. So, and, uh, and so that's where some of the frustration comes in. So if you are an organization that wants to retain your executive leadership, your female leadership, and continue to diversify beyond men, women, then you need to create that environment where people are actually understood and that there is a, that there's a platform for people to come in in a, you know, just in an open way and just leave room right, for them to get their voice in and to take action on their ideas um, without saying all the things that just, you know, shut down some of the best ideas that come out of the boardroom. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of this puzzle as well right now with, you know, with COVID and sort of the change in the workplace, one of the things that women have reported pretty often in surveys is around remote work and Mm -hmm. not feeling like they have the same opportunities for mobility because they're in this remote setting and they feel like they're not being seen. Do you have any advice for women working in a remote setting and still being able to to advance in their career? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because we actually started a program called the Remote Career Revolution. (laughs) And that was last summer, right, when everyone was getting called back to work and just kind of giving people the empowerment to say, hang on a second, I crushed it for the past 18 months. Why do I have to go back now? And, you know, so now that people are, are in that place where I want to be effective, but I also want to have that quality of life, um, Women who are working remotely as an executive have an interesting opportunity, I believe, um, because they inherently lead differently. And that leadership style condones itself far more effectively for remote work um, than some of the more traditional leadership styles in terms of I've got to see you, I've got to, you know, look at all those things. And so that empowerment, that, you know, that accountability, that even balance of that, that instinct that we have to just know what lights people up and get the right person in the right role. Um, you know, giving people the support that they need to fail forward and, you know, creating that space where we're still delivering big results and we're managing things, not by the number of widgets that we process, but by the results that we deliver to the organization, whether it's in customer retention, acquisition, share price, whatever that happens to be. And so I think women have an advantage in terms of senior leadership roles at that executive level. What they're tasked with though, is to how do you incorporate those leadership attributes across the organization more broadly? Because where things are breaking down in terms of remote work is we've got the technology, 
You know, we've got all the tools and toys now. What we do not have is the leadership style that works with that. And so when you, when you have everybody's in the same office or, you know, in a few offices mentality with all the remote work, then there's a disconnect. People get left behind. Um, people feel disenfranchised because it's like, okay, I stepped away to, you know, have lunch or whatever. And because I didn't answer my Slack in 2.5 seconds, I'm getting grief. You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff and, and helping people move past the always on. Because that's the counterbalance to remote work is that you're used to, if you go to an office, you close the door and pretty much you can at least mentally say, shift, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still going to work. You're still going to do those things that, you know, after hours, but you don't get that, that physical break in between work and home life. And so creating a culture that supports that, you know, in terms of we're done. And we've got enough work for the day versus the always on culture. So I think that's where leaders can show up bigger and be more successful in guiding the organization is helping, you know, really stand up a different type of leadership to support remote work, but also make sure that that always on culture isn't part of the organization either, because that leads to burnout and people are going to bail when they when they have that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking along those same lines about what women talk about, what kind of holds them back. And of course, I'm always thinking about women as they get older. And when women are in these leadership roles, a lot of them are in that midlife and beyond age group. So mm-hmm. can you think of anything that's unique to women as they get older that might hold them back? Some of the things to think about? Um, when we move further in our career and, you know, we've got that, you know, I call it like a, you know, and, and we tend to not think as much about what our next act is going to be. I call it soft retirement, right? There's a time where you don't want to be in the rat race anymore, but you still want to make an impact. Yes. And what we don't do because we're so busy taking care of everybody else instead of ourselves is get really clear on what that soft retirement looks like. It are, is it board seats? Is it academics? Is it, you know, fill you know, some type of philanthropic, you know, interest that you have. But what is it that you want to do to stay relevant once you finish your primary career? And you've really got to start running that. um, You need to start running towards those goals about seven years before you need them. Because most executives do not have a whole suite of board members as their best friends. Mm. Right. And they don't have a whole bunch of academic institutions that are just dying for them to share all of their knowledge. And so if you can start to get those wheels moving about five to seven years before, you know, you're going to need them, you know, then I think that's that's where we fall short, you know, and and there's a massive desire right now to have smart, ambitious women sitting on boards. Mm. But the bench strength is not there. In terms of have you been groomed, you know, to to be in, in an oversight committee? And so looking at like, if it, let's say board seats are what you want. Well, what are you missing? You know, maybe you're not super strong in financials or maybe you're not super strong in audit. Right. Maybe you're not super strong in strategy. So figure out like, OK, what is the stuff you're good at? So you can make sure that that's going to be what you're going to leverage in your second act. But how do you get that experience and that context to be a competitive candidate you know, when you want to be able to pull that trigger. And so I think looking for mentors and looking for programs like, you know, um, Harvard has a fantastic, you know, board preparation program. 
um, that's not expensive. It's remote. And, you know, so, so think about those things in terms of how do you get ready for that? Same thing with academics, right? Do some adjunct teaching or, you know, do a lecture on leadership or whatever. They're all looking for that kind of stuff. Um, and so anytime you can figure out what do you want to do? And then that also increases who you know. And I call that your power base, right? It's not your network. It's your power base. These are people who actually can make things happen on your behalf, not just go out for a beer and have a good time. And so as you're continuing to plant those seeds well before you need them, you're also expanding your, you know, your power base. And what happens is if you get into a situation, which a lot of women and men do, where you kind of age out and they want to bring in some young blood. And now you're sitting here in your mid fifties looking with a, a nice package, you know, perhaps, but, but now what do I do? I'm not ready to do board and, and, you know, advisory work yet. Like, but when you're building that power base at the same time, all of a sudden you've got someplace else you can bounce into. You have that plan B, which you always want to have at this age before you need it. Wow. Those are such great tips. I feel just fired up the power base, the seven year runway, you know, academics. What about right now in the thick of things like I think of so many women who are just burned out fed up and one of the things that you talk about is helping people to love Monday again yes <laughs> how do we get there <laughs> that's right if you don't wake up like just jumping out of bed on Mondays then you're doing it wrong and you could be right so and yes how do you get there um and and it really is about getting clear on what lights you up. We spend so much time trying to fit into something else. I need to fit into the corporate culture. I need to fit into this organization. I need to fit into what the expectations are for my role that we end up just feeling like a shell of ourselves. And that is really where the soul crushing part starts. And so, especially as executives, we have the ability in role to turn this into an environment that we want to be in. But if we don't, then you also have the ability to make a change. And especially now with the employment market being the way it is, and I know everybody's terrified about a recession and all this kind of fun stuff, but there is such a gap in you know, leadership and, and available leadership that any executive can pivot into something else, making as much or more money within six months. And so at the end of the day, if you find that you cannot drive the change that you need to make the organization, the organization that you're fired up to be at again, then leave, mm. right? We're so good at being executives for companies, but I teach my clients how to be the CEO of their career. Because if you start to treat your career like a business, you make very different decisions. And if you start to realize that, you know, this is just an exchange of services for compensation, you know, benefits and all that kind of fun stuff. And you really start to make different decisions in terms of I'm the, I'm the CEO of Tammy Incorporated. And so what does that mean? And then all of a sudden, a lot of the crap that you put up with, you're like, I would never do this for my business. I would never, you know, take on extra projects without getting paid for it, right? Let's face it, that's scope creep. <laughs> Any company would charge more for that, right? And so we do all of these things because we feel like we should, or that's the way we've always done it, and that's actually hurting us in the long run. Mm. And so I'm a big fan of if you don't like it, change it. You know, step one is try and make it a place that lights you up again because you're in a position to do so. But if that inertia is to the point where you can't fight the, you know, the tide, then walk away, right? Find an opportunity that you are going to be lit up about every single day because it's not too late. And, um, you know, I think that's the thing people worry about is it's too late and I'm going to have to take a step back and lose all the things that I've worked so hard for. 
And the reality is when you do it right, neither one of those things is actually true. Mm. It's so inspirational, all of this. I'm guessing that a lot of our listeners will want to find out more about your work and uh, maybe even get in touch with you. How would they do that? Sure. The best place to get in touch with us is at careerwinnercircle.com or Tammy Alvarez on LinkedIn, right? So, and you can also get our Career Winner Circle page on LinkedIn as well. We've always got things going on, whether it's women in leadership, career changing, getting remote work, leadership development, whatever it is, we've always got something going on. So, you know, dive in and see what's going on and we're happy to help anybody. That sounds great. I'll make sure that we include all of that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tammy. Uh, This was such a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Age Sister Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review the episode on your favorite podcast app. We'll also be posting the show notes and any other important information at www.cardeahealthconsulting.com.